Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan presents Schlereth and Evans. See him now. White t-shirt, coffee stain on the front of it. Disheveled on the beach by himself, by his lonesome. No, 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 no. Hey, if 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 Miley's in Malibu, I. What are you, what are you if, she, if she finds out that Mark's in town, I'm sure that oh. she's going to want to hang. <laughs> I can't think of two people that have more in common than Miley, Cyrus, and Mark Slareth. Yeah. That's a good pairing right there. That's a good pairing. Good pairing. Did uh did did a uh, terrible lazy texter come back after getting dunked on like I like I just did? You did dunk on him. And actually you want to you want to dunk some more? Yeah, I'd like to dunk some more. Can I do that? Cuz nobody nobody sent this text in, but I'm going to make one up. Okay, make it up. Is it just me or how in the world can Matt Smith compare Daniel Jones to J.J. McCarthy. Heinous. What a terrible, lazy take. All right, there. Now go. Oh, really, Texter? Now go, go. Mike Evans. <laughs> okay, let's just go look at stats, okay? Let's just go look at numbers again. By the way, there was another Texter that said, what do all those stats have to do with athleticism? Well, Texter, if you were paying attention, I just told you that he's a more, ath- Bo Nick's a more athletic version of Mac Jones, and I brought up 40 times. The last time Bo was timed in the 40, 471, Mac Jones, 483. I just tell you what my eyes are telling me. All right. And then I told you, uh, J.J. McCarthy, knockoff brand Daniel Jones. Well, let's look at what Daniel Jones did his last year in college. 2,600 yards. Oh, okay. Only 2,600 yards passing. How about J.J. McCarthy? 2,900 yards. How about touchdowns? Daniel Jones, 22. How about McCarthy? 22. How about interceptions, you're asking? Daniel Jones, 9. McCarthy, 4. A little different there, certainly. But guess what else McCarthy was doing? Running the football a lot. There, he, was throw, he was throwing at a lot more favorable defenses than Daniel Jones at Duke. All right, Matt, you say, but Daniel Jones a dual threat. He can run. No kidding. So could J.J. McCarthy. Daniel Jones in college, his last year, just pulling it up, just pulling it up. Got to get there. 319 yards, three touchdowns on the ground. J.J. McCarthy, 202 yards, three touchdowns on the ground. Take that for data. Knock off Daniel Jones. What you want me to what you want me to tell you, Texter? I just tell you what my eyes tell you. Well, I had one come after me. Evans is uh conveniently ignoring the reports that Mac Jones is a bad locker room guy. Oh, you conven- know, you, how convenient. You know, he wasn't a bad locker room guy his rookie season mm-hmm. when he threw for thirty eight hundred yards, sixty seven percent completion, twenty two touchdown passes, won ten games and went to the playoffs. Then, in his infinite wisdom, Bill Belichick decided, you know what I'm going to do to my rookie quarterback who just had a successful rookie season, and let's continue to build on that? What might that be? I'm going to give him as his offensive coordinator a former defensive coordinator Mm. and a special teams coach. Mm. That was what Bill Belichick, the genius, decided was right for Mac Jones in his second year. Let's take Matt Patricia who's never been anything but a defensive guy in the NFL, let's make him Mac Jones's 
offensive coordinators, we all know as football fans, there's nothing more important than the relationship between the primary play caller and the quarterback, especially a young quarterback, especially a second-year quarterback. And Bill Belichick, in his infinite wisdom, decided that a special teams coach, not, by the way, not just one mm. offensive coordinator. Co. No, 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 no. We're going to do co-offensive coordinators, and neither one of them has ever been an offensive coordinator. Um. For the guy who's going into his second year. Yeah, you know what? I'd become a little bit bitchy if oh. I was oh. Mac Jones, too. Yeah. If that's yeah. The, if that's what you decided to give me. Now, that being said, Mac certainly, despite having bad coaching, didn't back it up at all. And, yeah, we heard near the end of this season, Bill and Mac weren't even on speaking terms. Now, that being said, Mac made some of the worst throws I've seen at the NFL level this year. So, I, I'll just say... You, you can hear these analytics guys, these draft nerds come out. No, no, no. This guy's got potential. I'm just telling you, if you're sold on either one of these guys, it's because of in-depth scouting and, and and fit into your scheme. But in my opinion, are either one of them worth taking at 12? Are either one of them worth sacrificing two legit potential starters maybe in the trenches? To me, no. If the Broncos decide to go with a uh, young rookie quarterback, the Drive was talking about this uh, yesterday, and Philip Lindsay said, if you go young at the quarterback position, this guy needs to be who the offense is built around. If you're going to go young, yeah, you do keep Jerry Judy. You make him, and you're not going to like me saying this. Uh-oh. You make him your focal point this year at the receiver room. He's young. You have no choice. You're paying him $13 million. You, ha- you bring in this young quarterback. And we see what it what it looks like where Jerry Judy knows he's the man now. Mm. And he has to do nothing but produce. Man. And guess what, Zach? We're, like we're already thinking if you if you if you're rebuilding a team that yeah. we may lose. Yeah. So like what do we have to lose? Let's see if we give Jerry Judy that confidence and give him the 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 show that he wants. I I don't think he's far off at all because it makes absolutely no sense to continue to pay as much money as they've been paying to wide receivers. They've had the most expensive wide receiver room in the NFL for the last couple years. It's ridiculous. So as much as I like Cortland Sutton, as much as I like Tim Patrick, see ya. If I can save some 18 to $20 million against the salary cap, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Because you, got, you still have Jerry Judy. You have Marvin Mims. A couple of young guys. You'll draft a wide receiver, most likely. Build around him. Sure. Well, now, now it, well, it's kind of, it's kind of. It, and by the way, for for Phil to say that, I I get where he's going, but I mean, who else are you going to build the offense around? Yeah, that's Greg by Dulcich? that's by default. By at, at yeah. the best. So yeah, again, Judy I, as well as uh, it could be, it might as well be Judy, unless he represents trade value for you. But you got to have somebody catching balls, right? So if you're going to move on from from Sutton, which I mean, there are rumors. I don't know if that happens. Remember, Cortland Sutton put out that Instagram post, you know, very thankful for Broncos country mm-hmm. a couple months back. We all said, oh, well, maybe Cortland is starting to see his mortality here in Denver come to an end. But uh, are you going to build your offense around Jerry Judy, make him the focal point? Have they not been trying to do that for the last four years? I get where he's coming from because you have no other option. Mm-hmm. He's got to be your only guy. But, again, Who's throwing him the ball? I would say there's also part of this where Judy's dealt with severely inconsistent quarterback play. Now, I'm not absolving him of the drops or the bad attitude from time to time, the lack of effort from time to time. 
But at the same time, he hasn't had consistent quarterback play. And I, I, I have to... I have to really do some mental hurdles to think that he's going to get all of a sudden consistent quarterback play this year. Okay, but my but, but but that but that's that's something you have to keep in mind when you ever you have the the Judy conversation. And I get that Judy is one of the most polarizing athletes in this town, but you can't, as we have done over the last eight years, constantly complained about quarterback play, offensive coordinators. How can we constantly, year in, year out, complain about quarterback play and offensive coordinators and think it's not going to impact the receivers? Of course They play a dependent position. Of course it does. They play a dependent position. So uh, how how can we truly know yet what you have in Jerry Judy until you actually feel like he's working with a competent play caller and quarterback? Until you see that, then I think the jury still remains out on on Jerry Judy. That's why I'm not ready to just automatically get rid of him. When they were talking about trade Judy at the trade deadline, hey, if you could have got a second and a third rounder for Jerry Judy, good, done. What, didn't they but, get offered that? No, no, no. What didn't it? Wasn't it Cliss? It wasn't. Wasn't it, it Cliss that came on our air? Look at look at what happened with the trade deadline. Look at all the guys that got moved, save for a couple of defensive guys who were able to fetch second round picks. Or was it like a third and a fifth? Yeah, maybe, every, maybe every, it everything, everything, everything was like fourth rounders, fifth rounders, sixth rounders. Go back and look at the trade tracker for the NFL trade deadline and look at what was given up. It was a bunch of just. <clears throat> fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks save for a couple of players. And if that's all you're going to get for Jerry Judy, I'd rather hold on to him. No, I remember this now. It was Schefter, and it was a day that you weren't here, and Mark and I were talking to Schefter, and he said that the Broncos got offered a third and a fifth for Judy from some team, and they turned that down at the deadline. So to your point, had they got offered a second and a fifth, Take them. Right. Just a second alone, right. please. Right. We'll, we'll take that. And by the way, who was the team? If it was a, uh, was it we a don't good know. team? We don't know. We and don't if know. you're picking third round, is it end of the third round? If was that, it the Chiefs? Yeah, if that's the case, you know, I'm, I'm not interested. So I'd rather I'd rather hold on to Jerry Judy, and he, he's at a pretty affordable number, and you can save money by moving on from Tim Patrick and, and Cortland Sutton. Are you paying Judy? After this year? Yeah. We'll see how the year goes. So there's a chance that he could have the season that that would make you go, no, 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 I want this guy around long term. Yes. Okay. I mean, you got to be open to it. Sure. Again, if you're going to complain about the quarterback play, then you immediately can't just put all the blame on Jerry Judy for his struggles. And again, I'll go back to, yeah, he's had some struggles. He has not had a clean record here. It has definitely been a roller coaster Mm -hmm. with much more downs than ups. But at the very same time, who's he been catching balls from since he got to Denver? I mean, think about it. Think about all the quarterbacks. Russ, Teddy, Drew, Brett Rippon. I mean, who else? Kendall Hinton, wasn't he out there? with? The, I'm just saying, like, who else? Right. Go back to 20 guys. Those, these, those are the these guys, yeah. So, so suddenly I'm seeing the carousel go around again. Mm-hmm. No, we're right <laughs> on it. We're right on the quarterbacks. I see that carousel graphic again. I'm not, I, but I do, I'll say this to, to Phil's point. If you're going to go young, yeah, I'm fine with that. I am. Yeah, as having him as your number one, why not? What's the difference? You're yeah. going gonna, gonna to draft some guys. You're going to bring in some cheaper options. And, again, it's probably going to be a bit of a barren year. Yeah. It just is. But to say but to say, build the offense around Jerry Judy, I, all right, I guess you might as well because what are your options? You're going to build it around exactly. Jerry Judy or Marvin Mims or, or McLaughlin. Greg Dulcich or, yeah, in the passing game. Who exactly – the, the pool is rather shallow. <laughs> Don't dive head first. When, when we talk about this uh, this conversation. It is a uh, Is It Just Me Friday. This one uh, is, is gaining a little bit of steam. 
should the Avalanche consider trading somebody who we've always thought is untouchable? It's Schlereth and Evans on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. The uh, avalanche of late has some people contemplating some radical ideas. Matt Smith uh, in for Sting. What are these radical ideas? The radical idea that... I'm open, because you know me, I'm always open to a good radical idea. Well, first of all is the perception that uh, Miko Rantanen has been a disappointment this year. And that for a team that has some uh, some holes to fill, backup goalie... Second line center. Where are we where where are we headed here? I mean, where are we headed with this? Uh, more than a few texts today, isolated, but still more than I about five or six more than I thought I'd be getting today on this subject. Okay, that the Avalanche should entertain the idea of trading Miko Rantanen. Oh my god! I I know. No, I would never do it either. But I have said I have said this, and then I'll let you go. Yeah, I believe Miko Rantanen is the most underrated superstar in the NHL. I would agree with that. Yeah. So why but, in the world would I trade him? I, I to to these folks' point, does he need to pick it up here of late? Of course he does. He's got six points his last nine games through the month of February for a team that's so reliant on that top line. And really, who was it that carried them to the division crown last year down the home stretch? It was Nate and Miko. Well, the difference is, is I would say. Goal production-wise, Miko has tailed off just a little bit. Again, I brought up the stat a little bit earlier. At even strength, 5-on-5, not on the power play, not penalty kill, Miko is averaging two fewer shots per game. He can't can't be that that passive. I know he's a great passer, but they need him to be aggressive. And Bednar even addressed—I think Bednar called him out a little bit last night. You know, he talked about that shoot mentality. They're two for their last 29 on the power play. They need guys ripping pucks on net. And there are too many times when, especially here over these last, I'd say about 10 games or so, we're seeing Rantanen defer too much. And it's like me. I mean, I must have said it last night watching the game maybe three times. Miko, shoot the puck! Like, it just, you're, you're so talented. They need that type of, they need his shot. I'd rather him take a few shots away. We looked at the shot at the shot chart last night. McKinnon had 11 shots on goal. The next closest were Manson and Makar with three apiece. Now, Makar, he's got to start pulling his weight, too. Mm-hmm. He does. Yes. Scoreless in seven straight games. No question. And I think because McKinnon has kind of cooled off from being white hot. Right. He's, he, he's still, you know, playing at a high level, but he's not what he was playing, you know, heading into the All-Star break. Well, now it kind of exposes you for who you really are. So what do they do? Because, as you've pointed out, they're, they're only a couple million dollars, um... Under the cap right now. I mean, not even. Not even that million and a half, right? Yeah. So you're going to have to to clear some salary or or you take a page from what it looks like Vegas is doing again and you play the long-term injury reserve game. It's a loophole that exists in the NHL that has not been closed and you can say it's not honorable. I don't care. It's professional sports. If there's a loophole, take advantage of it. What it means is that you can place a player on your roster who gets hurt or hurt, <laughs> air quotes, you put them on LTIR, and that allows you the freedom to go out and trade for a player, 
take on his salary without it impacting the salary cap. Because basically what you're doing is if the player you put on LTR is making $5 million a year, that allows you to go out and add $5 million to your active roster. And here's the loophole. Here's what makes it beautiful. And it's it, it's what I would recommend the Avalanche do. Once you put that player on long-term injured reserve, when the playoffs come along, he can come off long-term injured reserve. And guess what? You don't have to cut or make ineligible the player that you went out and acquired while that guy was on long. It's a it's a it's a classic loophole to be able to circumvent the salary cap in hockey. Teams like Tampa and uh, uh, Vegas have taken advantage of it. I'd like to see the Avalanche do the same thing. This is the part of the conversation when I want to put my head through the desk. This is what I was screaming for them to do with Landis Cog last year, and they didn't do it. And they and they screwed themselves. And really, that was the beginning of the moves that I started to really question by this front office. It made no sense to me why they wouldn't commit that to Miko Rantanen and to Nathan McKinnon. Gabe wasn't coming back before playoffs. He wasn't coming back before playoffs. What good was a couple of games before playoffs, even if he was ready, which we know was going to be a long shot anyway to get him ready versus having another legit top six player? It would have been a rental, and they don't like to mortgage too many assets for guys that they're not going to be able to sign Mm long term. But that was the crux of, of of everything that then followed. That was the crux of then, all right, well, we don't have that guy. So now in the offseason, we're forced to play money ball because we have a bunch of different positions we want to fill out. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to go trade for Ryan Johansson at a 50% retention, and that's blown up in their face. So so I'll just say, Gabe is already on long-term injured reserve mm-hmm. now, okay? For, for anybody else to go on long-term injured reserve, it would be an injury that they would either sustain between now and the trade deadline or maybe you're talking about, hey, maybe that that foot surgery didn't quite take. Maybe maybe you need to go back under the knife, Ryan Johansson, and we can take that $4 million. I get it. The Avs just don't operate that way. Well, they should. I, they should have last year. And, and, they should have last and, year. And let's raise this question, because this is a fair question. Is it they're not taking advantage of this loophole because they don't think it's the honorable thing to do or because it's a cheaper thing to do? And this is when you then start to look at and say, okay, how good? How deep, how far does Avalanche ownership's commitment go? Mm. Because what we're talking about here under this scenario, this loophole, you you ha- you can take on more salary, but you've got to take on more salary. And is ownership prepared to do that? Well, if you are they prepared to spend yeah. more money? I don't think that's the problem. I, think, I hope it's not. I really don't believe that's the problem. It's a hard cap sport. You only have X number of dollars. Yeah, but this is your spend. way to get around it. Of course. It was the way to get around it last year. I know. And they chose not to take it. I, why didn't they? I don't know. Well, that well, I don't that, know. That's why I'm I raising think, that. Well, I'm you raising that You want to know that, what my honest question. opinion is on why they didn't take it? I think they're a little timid. I think Chris McFarland's a little timid. I think he's a little money ball machine, and that's how he wants to play. He wants to be right. I... I I'm just here to tell you, you're not going to build a contender that way. You need that top-end talent. And the fact of the matter is, three of your top six from when you won the Cup are not there anymore, at least right now. Nachushkin, who the hell knows what's going on? Who knows if you get him back? Who knows if they even know? That's number one. Gabe, come on. Playoffs, I give it about like a 10% chance maybe. It's such a giant risk to take with a guy under contract. And Playoffs? Kadri, they haven't replaced that, so you're missing three of your top six. You need elite top-end talent, and asking McKinnon and Rantanen on one line. First of all, I love Miko. 
He just doesn't generate. He doesn't drive offense. Like, he's not that type of guy. He's better as an accessory to McKinnon. It's just like David Pasternak in Boston. He's not going to drive offense, generate for others. No, you put him with the Marshawn. You put him with, you know, a, a couple of these guys. Yeah, okay. You put him with a great passer, and they can set him up, you know, and put him in good positions where they want to have the puck. Trading Miko, who would you trade him yeah, for? I, like, I, I, the only person who I would even entertain that for is nobody, first of all. But maybe you could say... How about Miko for Sid? Would you do that? No, I wouldn't even do that. Hell no! No, 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 no. The only, no. Honestly, the only the only people McDavid. I, I don't think you. I don't think Edmonton would do of that. Of course not. But but if you're talking about, I, I you know, would I trade Miko Rantanen for for David Pasternak? Sure. No. But I don't think I would. You, you do don't that. think the Avs would do no. that? No, I okay. wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, yeah, do it. I, it, it's funny too. And, and for the people who are texting and saying, "Stop with this talk," it's ridiculous. Well, I think it's ridiculous too. But no question, it I is have, ridiculous. I have the benefit of the text line, and I, yeah. I see other conversations that are out there, and and there are folks who are down on Miko Rantanen right now. And, and you do understand that Miko Rantanen had fifty-five goals and fifty assists last year, hundred and five points. He's on pace right now for as as much as there's this feeling that he's having a down year. He's on pace for 41 goals and 61 assists, which would be 102 points. So 105 last year, projected for 102 this year. It's just spread out a little bit differently. Less goals and more assists this year, but uh, no. Uh, trading Miko, they, they do have things that they need to fix. They, they do have things they need to add if they want to win another Stanley Cup. Trading Miko Ranton in to achieve that does not make any I mean, sense. Just, come on, let's be better. Let's just be better as hockey fans. That's all. I know that things aren't going right right now, but, Mike, what we're seeing is that Avs fans had the wool pulled over their eyes the first half of the season. No, this wasn't going to be different than it was last. No, this is this is exactly what I've been saying the whole time. It's the same team as last year. Even though there's new names, even though there are some new faces, the crux and the construction of the team overall, the production distribution it's virtually the same. And if they want to make a deep run, they need more. The problem is, I don't know how they get it. Up next, what's trending? There's a new TV series in the works that I think is going to be awesome. We'll tell you about it. And the Oakland A's to Denver. Okay. Bring the A's to Denver. Let's get that trending. Uh, we'll wrap up in Is It Just Me Friday next. Here's Schlereth and Evans with What's Trending right now. Matt Smith in for a stink. We'll be back on Monday. Nuggets with a 130 to 110 win over Washington coming out of the All-Star break. And uh, as one of our texters said, uh, is it just me or you guys putting way too much stock into beating the uh, second worst team in the NBA? No, it, 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 that's understood. But what I liked about yesterday was the bench scored 52 points in the first half. And I get that. Or no, that was all together. All together. Yeah, yeah. It's 52 points, pain points in the first I get, I get that this isn't, you know, the same as going on the road to Oklahoma City and the bench scoring 52 points. I get that. But on an, uh, in a second half of the season or the stretch run of a season that you're only looking at two issues right. that surround this team right now. One, make sure the starting five is healthy. And B, make sure you feel confident about what you have in the bench. And they're going with a lot of these young players. So when you see Christian Brown go for a double-double with 12 points and 10 rebounds, you know, that's something that that you want to latch on to, you want to feel good about. Brown yesterday talking about just how amazing it is to play with Nikola Jokic. It just seems like nobody, you know, bats an eye at it. 
was like, man, that's, I thought in my head, like, man, that's not normal. Like, what he's doing isn't normal. And um, obviously, it's fun to watch, fun to play with. He threw a ball to me today that hit me in my chest before I cut it. Um, you know, so he's fun to play with, uh, you know, extremely humble in what he does. And what he's doing is not normal. Um, he does it night in, night out. Um, so it's, it, it's really fun to watch. It's not normal. <laughs> You're right. You're right. The efficiency. It's not normal. Yeah. It is remarkable to have the kind of production as efficient as he is. And you asked me a little bit earlier, what's the most impressive part about him to me? And I said it was his unselfishness, right? The ability to make everybody else around him instantly better by just simply taking the floor with him. In, in my opinion, that's one. But his efficiency combined with his production, you don't see guys who are that productive but only take 10 shots. I mean, last night, if Embiid is playing that game against the Wizards, Embiid's trying to set some sort of personal best scoring record. He's not trying to get everybody involved and play that type of a balanced game. If Jokic wanted to last night, he could add 50 against Washington. They got nothing for him, like nothing. So, yeah, I mean, we just got to continue to appreciate the greatness because right now it feels like he's he's on his way to his third MVP that he probably should have had last year. Yeah, he should be on his way to his fourth, fourth straight MVP, MVP. yeah. Uh, Jared Bednar looking at the positives in what was a 2-1 to overtime loss in Detroit last night said uh, Eustace Ananen, the backup goalie, was the as-best player. He's probably the reason why we got a point after looking like looking at some of the chances that they created in the, in the third period especially. So we'll have to take the point and move on. So if you're putting together your ultimate wish list for the as between now and the, the trade deadline, you're yeah. looking at a second-line center, uh, maybe, you know, maybe another, you know, veteran, rugged defenseman. Um, yes. Do they need that? No, but, and, and a backup goalie. Does Onanen's performance last night make you think that, eh, maybe they don't need a backup goalie? You know, the Marc-Andre Fleury rumors, for example. Yeah, check those. I am certainly one to admit when I'm wrong. Happy to wear it. And with Eustace Onanen, I've been pretty steadfast in saying, I don't think this kid has what it takes to be an NHL goaltender. Every time he's come up over the last few years, it's just about the same. Well, that being said, last night was only his eighth career start. And and a part of playing goalie is building a rhythm, learning who's playing in front of you, what they like. I'll say, really encouraging sign from him, the last two starts, he's looked solid, he's looked poised, and he's given them a chance to win in his last two starts. They had a goaltending performance last night that that should have resulted in a victory if they could have gotten anything going offensively. It's giving me pause as to, well, maybe you look at you know some guy who gets cut or maybe a cheap option. It's giving me a little pause because if that's a guy who you believe could be a part of your future, I don't know. I, I, I think that I'd like to see him a few more starts here. They play Toronto on Saturday. They, they host a red-hot Leafs team. Yeah. And the guy who may or may not be taking the Hart Trophy away from Nathan McKinnon. We can have that conversation. But they play Toronto and Dallas. I would actually like to see Ananen get one of those two starts. I, I, I think you need to see a little bit more from him, and I did not feel that way a few weeks ago. So credit to him, credit to them, but I'm not sold yet. Good signs, though. Remember the Chad Powers of phenomenon? Course. Eli Manning in the prosthetics at Penn State, was it? The open tryouts? Yep, showed up. Eli, and they're all like, who is this guy? And he's just like ripping throws. He's got the long hair and everything. Well, it turned How old out. Is this guy? It turned out it was, a, it was a gag. Well, Omaha Productions 
is going to put together a scripted TV series based on the Chad Powers character. Oh, really? Starring Eli? No, starring your guy, Glenn Powell. Oh. From the Top Gun movie. Ladies and gentlemen, your savior's here. Oh, that's Glenn Powell. That's Mark's, like, you know, man crush. Mark and Mark has Glenn Powell's phone number. Yes, he does. And he tell you that anytime you ask him. Yes, he does. Do I? Am I excited about this? Hell yes. That sounds fantastic. Peyton's producing it, and it's going to be a football show. It's not going to be about some guy pretending, though. It's got to be like some some guy makes no. the team as No, a, it's going to be Chad Powers. Right, but what I'm saying, what's the premise? To produce a scripted Chad Powers series based on the character from Eli's Places. This is, I understand that. I'm saying, what is the premise of the show? Oh, I know. What's the, yeah, it's where, not you, some where do you guy take in, this? I'll tell you where you take it. It's not some guy in prosthetics. It's some guy who tries out to be quarterback in an open tryout. So if Chad Powers was a real dude who actually had eligibility, right. that's how they'll play it. And you build up the whole idea to do it and the whole build up to it. And, and Glenn Powell's, Glenn Powell's going to be uh, Chad Powers? He's going to be Chad Powers. That'll be good. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That should be fun. We have a shortage of sitcoms in general right now. We need yes. more good ones. Yes, I agree with that one. I have a solution for the Oakland A's issues. So oh, the, uh, did anybody ask for your take on that? This, this is a brilliant idea. So the Oakland A's, who are moving to Vegas, need a place to play while their uh, stadium in Vegas is being built. And they are discussing different... Uh, potential possibilities. They're, they're talking about the idea of going to Sacramento. I think I might know where you're headed. Or San Francisco uh-huh. or Salt Lake or a minor league stadium in Vegas. Play here. I knew you were going there. I'm telling you, <laughs> think about this. Whenever Dick, if this word gets back to Dick Monfort, his, his, his eyes are just going to light up. Because think about this. You, you set it up so that whenever the Rockies aren't at home, the A's are playing here. What's the idea behind the appeal of the Rockies? Hey, they're a lousy baseball team, but who cares? What a beautiful ballpark to go to. What a beautiful night out. And who cares about how the home team is playing? Because we're going to roll out the red carpet for the opposing. Now you have a chance to roll out the red carpet and make the Major League Stadium, make Coors Field the star for National League teams and American League teams. Brilliant. Tell me this isn't... Do you want me to tell you it's not a good idea? Because it's not a good idea. It's a great idea because you would have not only three One million One bad people, baseball team. You'd have two bad baseball exactly. teams. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the schedule's already And the out. model would work. The model would work perfectly because you don't care about the quality of the home baseball team. You're selling the ballpark, and you're selling the opponents. If you could do it for the Rockies, you can do it for the A's. There's only – there's not enough room in this town for both bad baseball teams. That's well, where what the, Dick Montfort yeah, would Yeah, but say. where are the – you said the schedule's already Who set. Who cares? Where, where UNLV's where, got a baseball where, no, field. No, but where are the A's playing this year? I think they're still playing in Oakland this year. Probably, Okay, yeah. so – but for next year, as the stadium is being built and – and, and, and Oakland doesn't want anything more to do with the A's. I like this and, idea. And you figure out where they're going to play. Next year, set up your schedule for 2025 with the idea that the that the Rockies and A's are both going to be playing at Coors Field. You want to mot- motivate Dick Monfort to do things differently? Bring in another baseball team that outperforms his own in his own stadium. He doesn't care about that. 
He wouldn't care about that. You don't think that changes he, his mind? All he would be seeing his dollar signs because instead of 81 home dates, one gate, you get he'd two have gates. 162 home dates to make the ballpark his star. I and still wouldn't the go oppo- to any of them. And still, it's still to make the opposing team. So you could just see the you could see the ticket. You know, you, you, you get to see the the Gee. Shohei Otani, and in the American League, you get to see Aaron Judge. Wonderful, money, 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 money. Wonderful, right? Yeah. Come on, tell me it's a great. It's. It, I think it's, it's a an terrible outside, it's idea. It's an outside-the-box idea that I think actually makes a you, lot of sense. You get points for being creative. I guarantee you the Oakland A's would draw more people here sure. than they would in Salt Lake. In the parking lot where they're playing right now. Or in Oakland. Yeah. Or in any of these other places they're talking about. They would draw more here. Are you? Do you agree? That they would dr- probably. Okay, then. It's a brilliant yeah. idea. Okay. <laughs> what do you want me to say? <laughs> Just say it's brilliant. I'll say that say Mike I love Evans, that your creativity you knows idea. no bounds, Mike You have Evans. a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant idea. That'll do it for uh, what is a trending. Bring Was that, that to trending? You. That is trending. That, I'm going to make that start where, where is that trending? Get that trending. <laughs> Bring the A's to Denver. Okay. Bring the A's to Denver. Let's get that trending. Uh, we'll wrap up in Is It Just Me Friday next. You're listening to Schlereth and Evans on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Matt Smith in for Stink. How do you feel? about being in the presence of real genius. It's an honor and a blessing, and I don't take it. There isn't a day that passes by that I take it for granted. I'm getting great response. Oh, you? You mean you? Me. Oh, I thought I was just talking about myself. To my A's in Denver idea. Is it just me or does Mike have a crazy good idea? No, it's just you and Mike. No, it's, it's perfect. If the Oakland A's are looking for a place to play while their stadium's being built in Vegas, starting next year, have them play here. Because we've already established that Dick Monfort doesn't care about a good baseball product. All he cares about is selling the experience of the ballpark, the ballpark's the star, and sell the appeal of the opposing teams and players that come into town. If you can do that with the Rockies, who are going to lose over 100 games this year, you can do it with the A's, who are going to lose over 100 games a year. And instead of getting 81 home dates, you get 162. I imagine Brilliant. scheduling would be a nightmare. No, not the at all. The logistics of it. it no, out. no don't even it worry out. about it. Ah, hey, the Rockies are on the road for nine games. The A's are here for a nine-game homestand. Mm-hmm. It, it's simple. Now, here's a better idea. What if you combined both teams? Could they win? Could they win more than sixty games in a season? No, see now, now what you're trying to do is you're trying to put together a good baseball team. Okay. And the Rockies and A's owners aren't—they don't care about that. Opposite. They don't—they don't care about that. Right. Okay. Right, this right. is all about just uh, getting fannies in the seats. Time now to uh, hit the hardwood and light the lamp. Brought to you by uh, Papa Murphy's as we take a look at what went on with the Avs and uh, Nuggets last night. Biggest takeaway from the Nuggets win. Good to see that their mentality is in the right place. I was a little concerned to see how they come off the All-Star break against one of the worst teams in the NBA. But as we've been talking about all morning, Michael Malone made a point before the All-Star break to say, we can't ease back into this thing. We have to hit the ground running. Everybody else will. Everybody else is still coming for our throats. We've got the target on our back. And yeah, it's one of the worst teams in the NBA. And one texter, you brought it up earlier, said, well, seemed, is it just me or are you, you guys putting too much stake into the win over the Wizards? We're not really putting any stake into the win. It's the style. It's the approach. It's how they all embrace being bought back in because this is a stretch run. It, to be honest with you, Mike, the opponent, I think, last night was irrelevant. It was the approach they took to the game. And if you do factor in the opponent, considering it was lesser competition, they didn't play down to it. Right. They set the tone. 
Uh, to me, the biggest takeaway is we know that the team has to be healthy. Good. I mean, let's put that. That's that's what, what are you going to tell me next? Water's wet, of course. The, the starting five needs to be healthy. But the other big issue is, is can we feel confident about this bench? And they have made the decision to go young with young players off the bench. And can we feel confident on a nights like these where they get a chance to go out and play a lot, get a ton of reps and build a huge amount of confidence, albeit against a lousy team. Doesn't matter. You're still building confidence. If you're trying to project what that can mean down the road in the playoffs, last night was a was a good night from that standpoint. And I, I also just think that it, it's so awesome. It's such a, a reminder of, of what makes Nikola Jokic so great. And I'm not talking about the triple-double, now a triple-double against every team in the NBA. It's that he heard his coach come out and say in the build-up to the return to play, hey, we have got to hit the ground running. And in a situation where a superstar like Jokic coming off an all-star break would have been excused if he sort of, you know, got a little bit of a tired Super Bowl hangover or Super Bowl, all-star hangover, let's ease back into the, no, he comes right out, sets the tone with with an incredible performance and just taking Michael Malone's message and then applying it and everybody follows it. So that, to me, I think was the uh, some of the the great takeaways. Abs. Abs lose in overtime. But get a point. Biggest takeaway there. God, it would have been great to see 88 and Burgundy in blue. Patrick Kane? <laughs> yeah. God, they, he, that hurt my soul a little bit last night. They, they held him down. And in my own head, this was a, you know what? You didn't want to come play here. You didn't want to come join this crew. Well, we'll show you. What were you thinking, dude? Up until overtime, those moments when you need somebody else to come through—that yeah. that it would have been perfect. That was my biggest takeaway. The other takeaway is: look, this team—they are a one-line team on the road when they don't have last change matchups-wise. It is becoming more and more of a problem for them. The power play is actively costing them games. Okay, yeah, they're two for their last twenty-nine. This team ain't going nowhere because. They are a one-line dominant team with one dude driving the bus, generating for others every night. Well, if you take that guy away at even strength five-on-five, if if you can't send lines and waves, which they're struggling to find consistency as far as other guys who are willing to step up, generate, drive the bus, produce, generate for others, if you're not doing that, you got to convert special teams. Yeah. You have to take advantage when you have the man advantage. And lately, they have not been doing a good job of that. And if that continues much longer, it becomes a bigger concern. But I go back to, it wasn't that way when Val was there. It wasn't that way. Yeah. yeah. He, he was leading the league in power play biggest, goals. Biggest takeaways. One, biggest takeaways. Biggest takeaway. Number one, you got to get Val back. Have to. You You're have not going to. anywhere without him. you got to get Val back, and Val's got to be right. And he's got to be reliable. That's number one. Uh, number two, you still have to figure out the second line center. I I, I know that there was some uh, sparked enthusiasm when Ryan Johansson had a couple goals the other night that, hey, you know, maybe he's going to, and I brought this up, hey, maybe, you never know, maybe this is a, a sign. Maybe he's going to go in a heater and you won't have to worry about your second line center. Instead, as you pointed out, how many shifts did he get in the third period in overtime? A total of three. Eesh. I told you they were lucky goals. The first one, rebound, bounce off the back wall. It's a wide open net. I could have, you could have scored that well, goal. I, that goal, I yeah. guarantee. Uh, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to diminish that because you, anybody anybody who breaks out of a slump in any sport, so a guy could be 0 for 20 in baseball, and the hit that breaks everything loose is a little broken bat flared or right down the right field line or something. I think that's fair. And then he ends up hitting you know 380 for the next two weeks. But typically, that guy 
talented guy who's shown you an ability. It's like, oh, man, he roped that one, but right, right to the right fielder. McKinnon, oh, man, yeah. he rang that one off no the hard, No hard outs for Ryan Johansson? That's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the second goal he throws in from the blue line, hits Ian Cole's glove and deflects in the top corner. Right. They, they, were, they were fortunate plays. They weren't plays born out of hard work. And again, like I told you yes, like I told Stoke yesterday, I, I am I buying that? Do I believe in him more because of that? No, and neither did Jared Bednar. And I need uh, other big takeaway. I need Miko Rantanen and Kale McCarr to, to start getting a little bit more aggressive. Time, time to, to time to start stop deferring. Start taking charge out there. Can I give you a hot take on Kale? Sure. So Kale hasn't had a point in his last seven games, but I think altogether, offensively, he's looked a little bit more muted this year. I believe, and we know at the beginning of the year, he, he dealt with multiple different lower body injuries. I believe there's something nagging that has been there all year. He's just not moving Typically, like you see, all, like there were a couple of great shifts last night where you go, holy cow, this dude's the best right, player on the right. ice. But he used to do that more consistently. Like that penalty they drew late in the game where he did the spinorama and the guy had no choice but to reach out and, and he was like, whoa, where'd he go? You know, and it's exactly correct. Yeah. I believe there may be something going on, maybe a baby ankle. It just, to me, he's just not moving that way. But could you make a play like that yes. or some of those other explosive yeah, plays if you're still dealing with the Once or twice else? a game. Yeah. 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 Once or twice a game. Yeah. But I don't. We'll see. Again, hot take there. Hot take. There. Papa Murphy's home of Take a Bake Tuesdays and five dollar Fridays. Yeah, if it's been a long week and you just don't feel like cooking or going out, trust me, we we've been doing Papa Murphy's pizzas for for twenty plus years in my family. A, a huge huge hit. Always well received. Very delicious and easy to get and prepare. So check that out for five dollar Fridays. Uh, let's see. Let's see. This this text comes in. Um, is it just me, or let's see what the Nuggets do tonight? I won't be the bit a bit surprised if Portland beats them. I know who this texter is, and and he hates Michael Malone. And he's, he's, James? He's, no, it's not James. <laughs> no, no, somebody else. Okay. He's he's embarrassed because you know for years he was ragging on Michael Malone. He doesn't have the mm. uh, the guts to come out and admit he was wrong, mm. and that Michael Malone's the right coach at the right time for this team. But uh, texter brings up a good point though. And you talked about it earlier, right? Minutes and how heavily these guys are used down the stretch. Porter played 31. Gordon played 21. Murray and Jokic both played 31. Not a heavy workload. And they relied a little bit more on their bench last night. So against a Washington, a Portland, an Atlanta, whatever you're going to do coming here down the stretch, you can probably take a little bit of the load off of the starters that you may have put on them because, as Michael Malone mentioned, the number one goal heading into the playoffs is health and durability of the whole team. Because if you're missing any of those pieces in the starting five, then then it's a different conversation. And I am watching Catavius Caldwell-Pope a little bit closely right now because sure. he's got the hamstring. He goes out last night with the, the finger, and it, he only plays 16 minutes. 0 for 6. How many minutes has Catavius Caldwell-Pope played in his last... Five games. I'm just throwing it out there. If you want to go back and give me a quick look, but it's, it's he's had to he has had to miss games or leave games early. Yeah, the last one we saw him in Milwaukee. He, he left had, early. He had missed two weeks. He came back, played nine minutes, and then hurt the hammy again. Right. And then they shut him down to the break. Right. No, the point is here: you've got to be able to take a little bit of load off of these guys because those 31 minutes that Jokic and Murray played last night, well, in the playoffs, those are closer to 40, right. if not more than that. So this this is the time. Be as efficient as possible. 
rely on the strength of the unit, not the strength of an individual like Jokic, and play team basketball, get yourselves into a rhythm, build up a lather, and head into the playoffs, as Jokic said after the game, the best versions of yourself. I feel like whenever we talk about, oh, the, the starting five has to stay healthy, it, it's such an obvious key. It's it's for any championship contender out there, you, you can't lose a, a key starter. I think we've starter. just been scarred by the injury history of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Right. And, and what we saw with Rivers sure. and Capazzo in the playoffs. And Jokic can only do, as great as Jokic is, he still does need great but players it, around it, it's, him. It's a, yeah, duh. Of course it's a key. you got to stay healthy. So I... Okay. It goes without saying you have to stay healthy. There isn't. A, I don't think there's a championship contender out there who who thinks of themselves as a championship contender who can lose one of their core players. No, no. And think, okay, we're still going to be fine. So it that that's just let's just say put that aside on the back burner. That just goes without saying. You gotta be healthy. Okay. Now done. Now we move on. Now what are the other issues surrounding this team and their bid to repeat? I mean, the only thing left is the bench. And, and whether or not you believe that this this bench is good enough. Do you trust? It's a good point. Because yeah. last year you had a bench, and, and do the tail of the tape real quick. Last year you had Bruce, Bruce Jeff Bruce Green, um, and Christian Brown. That was basically your eight-man rotation. For sure. This year you're looking at Reggie, Reggie Jackson, Peyton Watson, Christian Brown, and Christian Brown. And maybe somebody else sneaks in there, but I highly doubt it. But what happens if Jokic, God forbid, knock on the table? I don't even want to say. No, it. no, 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 no. Because then it's over. Then, then it, it, then the conversation ceases. Well, I, if he gets hurt, but I was going to say foul trouble. Can oh, somebody, foul trouble. Can somebody step up in that regard? Yeah, I, I'm fine with DeAndre Jordan first. He gave you some seven, good spot seven, minutes. eight minutes in the yeah. playoffs. I don't know. I have no problem with that. No, I mean it goes without saying. I mean if Jokic gets hurt, I'm just don't even throw, don't even hey, put that out there in the universe. I want to say, I want to say something right now. Yeah, he's been playing through pain all year long. This guy's a grinder. He's got the back wrapped whenever he can. He was even asked about if he felt well rested enough for the game last night heading into it. He goes no, and he left it at that. So, no, health and durability is important. The amount of load you can take off of these guys in some of these games, like Portland, it's time for Peyton Watson and Christian Brown to to be more aggressive offensively and at least here over the stretch run try and do their part to take some of that burden off of, you know, Murray's shoulders, Jokic's shoulders. And, again, it would be nice if MPJ could be a little consistent here, build a little consistent. That would be nice. That would be nice. But we see what happens uh, tonight. Uh, big weekend for the Nuggets and Avs. Big college basketball Saturday tomorrow for CSU and CU. CU especially as they need to take advantage of this three-game homestand they have over the next week to uh, get themselves off the bubble and uh, back into a more secure spot for March Madness. Hey, my man, thank you so much for filling in. Always appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Watch out for those potholes. <laughs> and we'll turn things over to uh, Mark. Will be back on Monday. Turn things over to Stoke. And is Josh? Yeah, Josh is back yeah. in because otherwise, <laughs> who'd be filling in I, for? Him? I don't, <laughs> you're not sure. doing, I don't think you're sure. going back to back. So no. uh, we got Josh and Stoke coming your way next.